the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. That you choose to say, okay, I want to engage in this God who's revealing himself to me. I want to begin. Where do I begin? Stan, where do I begin? Very simple. Because from Genesis to Revelation, beginning to end, it's all about Jesus Christ, Messiah, God, that he is God. It's about man being lost and God's desire to bring man to himself and that Jesus had to do the work on the cross by dying, paying for sin, and offering to all of you, any of you, no matter how good or bad you are, the free, full forgiveness of sin so you can go to heaven no matter what. Now, why do you need to know that first? Again, if you're studying the Bible, everything I've just taught you, do the interpretation you're going to find, because you will not know the rest of the things of God accurately or clearly or even easily Unless you trust Christ, the Spirit of God comes inside of you and now gives you divine help to understand the rest of it. So your beginning place is to trust Christ. Now, if you think I'm making this up, go back to the notes because I've written Bible verses there. Just look at your notes and look what even Jesus had to say through John the writer. John is now writing about Jesus. Here's what he says in John 13. And by the way, who is John? John is the apostle. What's so special about this apostle? This is one that said that he leaned on Jesus' bosom. It's the one that Jesus himself said, is a disciple whom he loved. Doesn't mean he didn't like the other ones, but this one was real special to him. All right, here's what he said. There are many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Okay, we got it. But these have been written. So pause for a moment. Lots of stuff been said. Not all of it has been written. Why wasn't it written? God said, that's not what you really need to know. Here's what you needed to know. That's why I had it written in a book that has no air. Go back to the passage. I've written this so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. In other words, he is the Messiah, the Son of God. In other words, that's saying that Jesus is God who is Savior. Then it says, and that, by, and that believing in him, you may have life in his name. So there's a lot of stuff written, or excuse me, a lot of stuff Jesus said He chose not to have it recorded because that wasn't what we needed to have. But what we needed to have was that Jesus is God. He died for you. You need to believe in him so you can have everlasting life. So don't worry about what he didn't write. Be concerned about what he did write and what you're going to do with it. So if you've got to say, okay, I need to apply. What do I need to apply? Apply Jesus as your Savior to your life. Later on, he says this in 1 John. He says this, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. Wait a minute, who who does he give eternal life to? It's going to tell you. And this life is in his son. So in other words, eternal life is in his son. I have the son, he says. He who has the son has life. So you need Jesus as your savior. If you have him, you have everlasting life. He who does not have the son of God, that means you have not received him. You haven't received the word that said to believe on him. You've decided to say, "I I want to put this off for a while. You do not have life until you do. 
Then he really hammers this home. These things have I written unto you. That's why we have a revealed book here. He's written this to you who do believe in the name of the Son of God. Here, the best part, underline this, so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not that I guess I have eternal life. It doesn't say that I hope that I have eternal life. It doesn't say that I have to go to the right church, the wrong church. I have to do so many this or that. He says, as long as you believe, you can know you have eternal life. Now, who is saying this? John is saying this about God. And what is he saying about God? God is a God who cannot lie. He says, you have the Son, you have everlasting life. You believe in Jesus Christ, you have everlasting life. And beyond all of that, you could know it now. You don't have to wait and guess and hope when you get to heaven you might get there. You have it right now. That's what he's written. So if you want to know what to receive first, receive Jesus Christ. So in applying God's word, you want to receive it. Here's the second. Go a little bit further. I must reflect on God's word. Now that you've trusted Christ as Savior, I encourage you to reflect on his word. Notice now what it says in James. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man that he really was. So the idea is to get into the word of God. The word is like a mirror. I think there are lots of things that I frustrate my wife about. But one of the things that she really gets frustrated is when I, my collar is turned up, you know. And my buttons aren't. You, you probably don't think I do that. I, I really am kind of. It's not as important how I think I look, you know. But Carol says, "Didn't you look in the mirror?" And now I'm I'm caught. If I say no, you ninny, look in the mirror. And if I say yes, then it's are you blind? And in some cases, I am. All right. And so the real issue is the mirror is to reveal something to me for me to make a choice. Now the good news is, as I look over at you, it's a Sunday morning. It looks like most of you looked in the mirror before you came to church. <laughs> Sorry about that. You looked in the mirror. And when you did, you thought, oh my goodness, I've got to shave this and cut this off and put this on and paint that and, and uh, all that. So you, here's what you did. You didn't just say, this is a great mirror. Wow, look at that mirror. Look how they hung that mirror, you know. That's beautiful. Look how large it is. Look at the light is reflecting everything. Look at that guy that's staring in the mirror. Woohoo! And then walk away. Okay? None of us do that with a mirror. Why do we do that with the Bible? We read it. We go to church week after week after week after week. But what do you do differently when you leave here? I, I don't, I'm not the judge. The question is, Stan, what do you do when you leave here with what you taught? Here's what I have that you don't have. I'm double accountable because I taught it than you are. But we're all still accountable. So I need to really reflect on it. I've given you three practical ways to reflect, and these will just go boom-a-de-boom-a-de-boom from James. He who looks intently into the perfect law of liberty. That's like looking in the mirror, you look into the Bible. He who looks intently into the perfect law of liberty. That's the word read it. You have to read it. I like to say it's more about researching than just giving it a cursory read. It means to really look at it, stoop down, gaze at this thing, see what you're doing. You don't glance at the Bible. You gaze at the Word of God. You don't glance at the mirror. You're gazing at it, checking everything out before you go. All right? You want to make sure you're really getting this truth. Number two, you want to review it. It says, and continues in it. It means I need to keep going over and over and over and over. I had a Bible teacher who was led to the Lord by the old Billy Sunday. And he said, you know, Stan, the more mud that you sling against the wall, the more that's going to stick. You know what he meant by that? Stay in it, stay in it, stay in it, stay in it, stay in it. So keep reviewing it. Number three, remember it. it. says, and don't be a forgetful here, not a forgetful here. You know, remember what you're really like. 
think our memories are worse today than they were years ago. And I get the age thing. We all get that. But I'm talking about, you know, we have everybody on speed dial this. In fact, I don't need to know hardly anybody's phone number. I can say, call Carol. Home or cell, you know? And there you go. We don't have to remember things. And I'm wondering if maybe that's the hard part. And maybe if we would go back to the Word and do a little bit more memorization, that the memorization, as hard as it is, it's supernatural book going into my brain, and God more than anything wants us to remember His Word far more than a football score, far more than a shopping list, far more than an algorithm in a computer program. Not that that's not important or needed at times, but we put that above this for the book. So read it, review it, remember it. I need to receive the Word. I need to reflect on it. But I also need to respond to the book. I need to respond to it. Look at the verse in verse 22. It says, But doers of the Word, but be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Out of all of that, I'm not looking at the doers and the hearers part. What I'm looking at is the deceiving part which tells me, Stan, if I just listen to the Word over and 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 over again, but I don't do what it tells me to do, I've deceived myself thinking that I'm much more mature than I really am in Christ. Did you hear that? Did you hear what I said? So you can go to all the small groups you want. You can go to all the Sunday school classes that you want. You can hear all my sermons that you want. You can do all that kind of stuff. Read all the stuff. Do the DVD thing. Go through all of that kind of stuff. And listen to it all, but if you don't walk away from it with God changing your life from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit, you've deceived yourself thinking that you are more mature in Christ than you really are. And you know, uh, people can see that. And they scratch their head. You go to all these Bible studies, but you still have road rage. You have all these Bible studies, you still gossip. You have all these things going on in your life, and you still get down, and you don't do this, you don't commit to that, you don't tell the truth. They see all of that. And then they look at that, especially those outside the faith, and they say, see, none of this stuff is real. It, it really doesn't work. They're just as hypocritical as those people that live in the Middle East. And it's really not God's fault. It's not His Word's fault. It's we've deceived ourselves because we listen, but we don't do. Can I be funny with you for a moment? Let's say that you cared enough about me and you said, Stan, um, you know what? You're getting older and you're getting a little flabby. And we don't want you to be a flabby preacher. Nothing's worse than a pot-bellied preacher speak, speaking on discipline. Okay. So we, we bought you a book for Christmas. Arnold Schwarzenegger's book. It's How to Have a Killer Body. And we want you to take this book and stay healthy. So I get six months off from the elders. I take this book, and I'm gone six months. I come back. I look the way I am now. Maybe a few more pounds because I'm not running around working in the church. And I'm coming back, and they say, Stan, what happened? I said, man, I had a great six months off. I took his book. Notice, I underlined it in, 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 in ink. I highlighted good points. I looked up every word that was in here in the original language of English and the etymology of all of this here. I put it all together. I've journaled what I've read in this particular book. It is a fantastic book. There's no better book on bodybuilding and health than Arnold Schwarzenegger's book on how to be a hot d d guy or something. And I'm looking at this book. You know what you'd be saying to me? You'd say, you, you fool. You marked it all up, but you didn't let it mark your heart. You didn't let it change your life. And I'm wondering how many of us just run from one thing to the other thing, and we don't let it change our life. Now, let me say this very clearly. It's not wrong to go to small group studies and have all your stuff marked up or come to church or get all these DVDs. You can't have a changed life for the glory of God accurately unless you have truth. But having the truth and hearing it is very deceptive if we're not doing it as well. 
we will not grow that way. And so I would hope that we would do that. So just because we know something does not mean we act upon it. Jesus said three different times, three different occasions, not blessed if you hear. He said, blessed if you hear and you do. All right, what are some examples of it? I'll rip through these and then we'll give you the proclamation and we'll go home. In the passage of James, it didn't just stop and say, you don't want to just be a hearer, you want to be a doer. James goes a little bit further. He says, okay, you're ready now to do. Let me give you three areas. So in that context, three areas. Now, what I don't want you to hear is these are the only three areas. He's just picking three out. Since he's in that part of Scripture, that's where we're in that part of Scripture, I am now going to go over those three little areas. If you're saying, okay, I'm ready to really apply, first thing, trust him as your Savior. That's a done deal. You've done that. If you haven't done that, the rest of the stuff's good to do, but even lost people do it. So let's go back to this. What is it? First of all, control my tongue. Self-control over your words. If any of you among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, which we've already just talked about, this one's religion is useless. Dead. If I don't control my tongue, if I spew out stuff that's angry and vile, if I tell lies, take the Lord's name in vain, I take my tongue and I don't use it to minister grace and mercy and kindness and edification and truth and help and love. God says, apply it. Control your tongue. Number two, have a caring heart. I'm a little stretching that, so let's make sure you understand it. Pure, undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. It says to visit the orphans and the widows. But now notice it also qualifies it. It doesn't say to go to every orphan and every widow. It says go to those in their trouble. So if there's a widow or an orphan that's in trouble, we need to be, like they say, white on rice with them. But now to do it, he doesn't want us just to do the visit part. It has to come from a heart that genuinely cares. We have to love our neighbors. We really love them, then we'll go visit them. Number three, a clean mind. To keep oneself unspotted from the world. It's kind of interesting. Kind of like upside down. You get your mind right, your heart will be right. If your heart is right, out of the abundance of the heart, the tongue will be right. So again, I see these are places to apply. So if you're saying, man, I don't know where to go today. You know, I already know all about the Bible. Okay, what, what am I taking home today? Just at least these three things. There's just three. If that's too many, pick one. But change by the power of God. I'm going to end with this last one because I think this is kind of bringing it full circle. Number eight is proclamation. Is proclamation. I can have a great life. Now I'm applying God's word. But God doesn't just simply say, be a nice guy, Stan. Because if you're a good guy, you take care of the orphans, you say nice things, you have a wonderful heart, and you're so kind to others, guess who, guess who gets all the credit? Stan, what a great guy you are. And God says, no, I want, I want the world to know about me. Stay with me now. In order for the world to want to know and to listen more intently at what I say about God on that end, they have to respect me on this end. That's why I apply Scripture. That's why that's number seven, and proclamation is number eight. So while I want to give the gospel, I also want to make sure that my own life is right so that they'll listen to me. So I have to put the two together. If I have my own life right and I don't give the gospel, who gets all the credit? I do. If I give the gospel and the word to others and my life is all messed up, what happens? God gets poo-pooed. He's the one who's put down. And it's not his fault. And so as I look at this kind of stuff right here, I want to proclaim the Lord. Look at it. Proclamation is the means by which the whole counsel of God, the Bible, the whole counsel is declared to mankind. Paul said, I shun not, I 
to declare to you the whole scripture. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, what I want you to do, the things that I have taught you, commanded you, I want you now to teach others. And I'll be with you to the end of the age. So he says, what I've given you, I want to give to others. So go to Colossians chapter 1. Very simple. It says this, who is to do the proclaiming? Every believer, we proclaim. Who do we proclaim? We proclaim him, Jesus Christ, the whole council. Who should hear it and receive the word? Admonishing every man ought to hear this thing. Teaching every man with all wisdom. Why are we to do this? So that every man could be mature in Christ. In other words, knowledgeable in Christ, becoming more like Christ. And how are we to do this? According to the power that he has given to us. I want to end with this little story. It's not found in the Bible, but it caused me to think a little bit. Jesus died. He rose again. He's up in heaven. The ascension's up there. He just arrived up there. And an angel is bopping through heaven, and the angel bumps into Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, I haven't seen you for a while. Where were you? Jesus says, I've been down on the earth for the last 33 years. Really? What would you do down there? Oh, I heal people. I help people. I taught people. And then eventually I went to the cross and I died. I took all their sin on myself. I offered them eternal life by faith alone. And did all this. I rose from the dead and I trained all these disciples. These guys were to now go out and tell everybody else about what I did. And this little angel being the wag that he was looks up at Jesus and says, hey, that's a great plan. You taught him, you lived it, you did it, you died, you did all of this, you told him what to do, told him how to tell other people, you want everybody to do this? That's really great. What happens if they don't? Do you have a plan B? Jesus says, there ain't no plan B. And really, he doesn't need to do that. Because everything you're hearing about the revelation of God and all this that we've given you today, the reason I can tell it to you today 2,000 years after Christ is because there are men and women, boys and girls, that I would like to think are just like you and me, that do believe the Bible is God's mind on paper, have received Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're living a life of Christ-likeness and giving their life to tell others about it. And that's why we do these things. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I really love you folks. I'm so grateful for Roy Brown and the material that he shared with you so beautifully. He outlined it for you. But he he did none of that for his own glory. He did it for this reason. He loves the Lord. He knows that the Bible is God's mind on paper that now is written on our hearts that should be lived out in our life and taught to the world. And he has given his life with his sweet wife to do this. He's only one out of millions of others throughout time in history that just said, what I have, I'll give back to you. And I believe that in this group, right here listening to me today, whether you're in this room, in a car, in your home, in front of a computer, listening to me right now, that you are at a point to do business with God. He has a message for you, and he revealed it. He did it by way of giving it to writers. He wrote it. It was inspired. It was preserved. We have it today. It's accurate. It has been translated into a language that you could read, so you can bypass Stan Pons and go right into your own Bible and see You have the rules of interpretation so you're not just getting it from another person. God says that you can understand this yourself. He'll provide you the resources. Scripture says all of this for you. 
This is not a cult. We're not just one little tiny flake in a blizzard of other religions out there. Uh-uh. This, the Bible is not the best book. It's the only book with God's mind on it. That's the Bible. And then all of that, he says, now you've got to do something with it. And the illumination comes to realize there is a God. He's perfect. Jesus is God. We are sinners. But God loves sinners. And then Jesus died and he rose again and he offers to you and me the free, full forgiveness of sin. All that is now making sense. Now what you need to do is to apply that truth to your life and accept the payment Christ made for you on the cross by believing in Christ as your personal Savior. And if that's so true, not to get saved, but perhaps because you are, Take the rest of the Word of God and let it change your life. Share it with us. Let today be a defining moment in your life. This is not a by accident. God had you here to hear that. Maybe to hear it again. Come again and again. So maybe you like that little 16-year-old kid seated on the floor in a youth meeting. Someone gave me these tools. It lit a fire that is still burning today. If you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior yet, do it now. Simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. My good works will never be enough to get me to heaven, whether they're religious or faith. I come to you just as I am. Thank you for doing this for me on the cross. I'm trusting you. I believe that you're the Lord. You died for me. I believe you're going to take me to heaven. You said you would. Is there anyone in here that's ready to make that private leap of faith, step of faith. I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to have you walk an aisle. I'm not going to have you stand up. Nobody's going to come to you. Every head is bowed and eyes closed. But I'd like to pray for you. Now, when I pray for you, I'm not going to pray for you by name, describe you in any way. I'm just say, thank you. I see that. So how do I do that? I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand if today's the day you're trusting Christ. You don't have to trust him again and again and again to go to heaven. You believe in him one time, you're sealed, the deal is sealed. Now you begin your road and journey of growth. But maybe today is the day you'd like to settle it. So is there anyone in here today that's ready to trust Christ as your Savior? And you're now talking to the Lord, settling it with him, and you'd like for me to pray for you. My praying for you won't get you to heaven, but I do want to welcome you into God's forever family in my prayer. Not the church, you're not joining anything. You're not saying I'll stop this or start that, I'm just... Lord, I'm just coming to you just as I am. Or is there anyone ready to do that? You're just going to put up your hand, put it down, it's over. That's it. No more. Later on, you can do your own thing. We can help you with that, but no embarrassment. I would, I would never want to embarrass you. So is there anyone in here that's ready to trust Christ as Savior? Right now, would you put up your hand and put it down if today is the day you're trusting Christ? Put it up real high so I can see. about some of you, all this teaching that you've had over these last uh, two or three Sundays, has that really kind of got you excited about this great book that you have, whether it's an electronic version or a leatherback Bible, it doesn't really matter, but you have it now. Has that really caused you to say, I I need to get into this book more? Maybe it's through courses at the Bible College, maybe it's through some good Bible teaching, maybe it's through our Sunday school class that we have here on Sunday mornings, great Bible teachers. 
But how many of you would like to have prayer because God used this message over the last uh, two or three weeks to really impact you in a special way? I don't need to know how he did it or what he did, but you just sense that it was a good thing that you were a part of this. And now you want to move forward in your application and proclamation of his word. And you just like to have prayer. Would you slip up your hand? God bless you. Many hands. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're a God that's the only God that would be willing to communicate to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's been preserved. Thank you that we have all that's necessary to know what books belong in the Bible so we know which ones are screened out. That, Father, that we have good ways to interpret your word so that we can apply it to our life and tell others. I pray for those that are still on their journey of discovery that, Lord, that they will put more time and effort in their discovery of what we're saying as being truth as they're on that journey because they don't know, we don't know when they'll breathe their last and if they don't do it soon and they die, they'll be outside the faith. They'll be outside of an eternal relationship with you. We don't want that. So help them along in that journey that they would for Those who have, we ask that the word of God, like a mirror, would reveal to us where we are that you'd wrap your loving arms around us, empower us with your spirit, and help us to now be what we should be for thy glory. Our Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.